Good morning. As uh, Drew said, we are continuing in our series, uh, Your Part Matters, today. And we started this a couple weeks ago um, when we talked about understanding Scripture. And then we talked about serving. And then we talked about showing up at church regularly. And the whole premise of this message series is that God does incredible things in our lives. He shows up in unbelievable ways, and he transforms us. He makes us into something that we couldn't make ourselves. He saves us from our mistakes, and he rewrites our future. He does unbelievable things. But you participate. It's not just that God grabs you and forces you to become who he wants you to become. You have to decide to show up. You have to make certain decisions that help you become the person that God designed you to be, that help you step into the fullness of life that God has for you. And he has a full life for you, but we have to decide to step into these things. And we need to understand something as we make those decisions today. And the very first thing that we, the reality that we need to understand is that we need each other. We, we need community. We need community. We need people who are going to be involved in our lives enough to know what's going on in our lives. We need people who are going to be involved in our lives enough to know, to ask us, how are you doing? Are you still being stupid in this area of your life? Maybe you guys don't need somebody to do that, but I for sure need somebody to do that with me. But we need community. And today, the decision that we're, we're, we're talking about is this decision to step into groups or small groups or a Bible study or a life group or whatever you want to call it, some place where you can be in a discipling environment, a place where you can have people, not just people who are going to be involved in your life, but people who are going to help you become more and more like Jesus every day, who are going to ask you tough questions, who are going to push you along as you have to make decisions in your part matters. These discipling environments, typically called small groups, groups, Bible studies, life groups, D groups, new life groups, whatever you want to call them. Here we just call them groups. Really what we're talking about is discipling environments, smaller communities than this, where you sit and you can look each other in the face and you're not looking just at my face because that's a better environment anyway when you're looking at each other and not me, but where you can see each other and really see each other, know what's going on in your life and help one another grow. That's what we need to decide because that's been the design since the outset of this, the church. And there's one, excuse me, up. There's one really famous passage in Acts chapter 2 that we're going to start out with, and it's going to serve as sort of the foundation for what we're talking about today. But I want to read the whole passage for you um, so we can kind of get on, on the same page here. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. As I'm reading through this, hold on to see what phrases or words jump out to you as you consider um, these things. Starting in verse 42. They, the people who had just heard a message and responded to the gospel and been saved and brought into new life in Jesus, those they, the first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, held all things in common, 
They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day they devoted themselves to this thing, this new movement that was breaking forth. And just for a little context for that passage, uh, one of the apostles, Peter, had just preached a sermon. And there was this unbelievable outpouring of salvation in the moment. And then they had to figure out, what are we going to do now? Because Christianity is about much more than just salvation. It's about redemption and reconciliation and walking in a new life. And so it wasn't just enough to be baptized and come into new life in Jesus. They had to figure out what they were going to do because they're like, yeah, our life has changed. So what? And the so what that they did was they gathered in houses in smaller communities. They didn't try to set up one big building where all 3,000 people would gather together and they would hear from Peter every day and every day. They got into smaller places where they could be held accountable and they could pray with one another and they gave to those who had need and they devoted themselves to teaching and to prayer. They, they dedicated their lives to this in these smaller communities and it was this unbelievable thing because it grew from that and that's still what we're called to today to be pulled together and to see one another, to really know one another. One of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life when it comes to following Jesus is undervaluing the need for community. Both my value that I would bring to somebody else who's in need, who just needs to see somebody and hear from somebody, and my need for somebody to come help me or be with me or pray with me. We were in the, uh, I didn't ask Emily if I could share this, but here we are. So uh, we were in the ER on Monday evening because Emily was having gallbladder, uh, gallstones. It was attack, it was pain all day, so we went to the ER. And you wouldn't believe how much it mattered that I text people in two different groups that I'm a part of an immediate response like, hey, we're praying for you, we're praying for Emily. We're here. Let us know if you need anything. And then the next day, unprompted, to have people ask, hey, how's Emily doing? And she's okay. It's just inconvenient, gallstones. We're going to get it figured out. Not a big deal. Please don't tell her I told you we can keep this a secret, right? <laughs> uh, but it matters that people would take time to ask how she's doing. And it as I'm texting people back, I'm getting teary-eyed because I'm getting emotional in old age. And, and I'm, you know, she's okay, we'll be, we'll be fine, whatever. But showing up matters. Being present matters. And I, I was reminded the other way, too, because I had to go to the hospital the other day to see somebody that had surgery. And I showed up in the hospital room, and I'm thinking, like, oh, they're going to be so annoyed that I'm here. Like, it's kind of late on an evening. They don't want to see me. They just had surgery. They definitely don't want the op like overjoyed that somebody would come and see them and pray with them and ask how they're doing. And I walked out of the hospital thinking like, okay, God, you got me. Like I understand. I see now. It's not an inconvenience to go check on people. You show up and you be with people. 
But I've made the opposite mistake a lot of times. Not checking in because I feel like I'm going to be annoying. Not checking in because I feel like I'm overstepping my bounds. And people are hoping, they're just hoping that somebody would reach out. We need each other. We need community. This is how we were designed to be. God himself exists in community. But not just any community. A community that does something specific. A community that makes disciples. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 were the the last words that Jesus spoke to the apostles, to the men that the newest that the new newly established church in Acts two, the apostles were the men that were doing the teaching, and that's who the new church was dedicated to. These were the last words that Jesus spoke to these apostles. He said this in verses nineteen and twenty: "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you." And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So it's not just enough to be together. Jesus calls us to make communities of disciples. We are to become disciples ourselves, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and so on and so on and so on. That's who we have to be. Disciples who make disciples. Not just people that hang out together, but people that are dedicated to becoming more and more like Jesus and helping other people become more and more like Jesus and live out this full life that he has for us. Jesus invites us into something unbelievable and incredible to become a disciple of his. That's a funny, a funny word to be a disciple. This is one of the only places in the world that really talks about discipleship. And for a long time in my life, I didn't have a clear understanding of what a disciple was. I knew that Jesus wanted to do something with me. I knew that he had this thing for me and that, you know, I could tell you kind of what a disciple was. In fact, if we took a poll in the room and we had like 10 people, any 10 people in here have been going to church for a long time, we said like, hey, would you write down what a disciple is? We probably have 10 pretty good but pretty different answers on what is a disciple. And if you're thinking about right now, what is a disciple? What is it that we're trying to make? You could probably come up with some kind of answer. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, I have no earthly clue. I've never heard that word before in my life. But one of the things that we have to do is come up with a definition for what that is. A disciple, when we talk about discipleship, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. And all three parts matter a whole lot. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. We get that definition from Matthew 4.19. 
It just says this, and I, I shared this a couple weeks ago. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Unbelievable invitation to take part in this radical transformation that will change the world. Jesus says, follow me. It's not the other way around. I remember when my son was being born. This was about five years ago now. And we're, it's getting late. Emily's about to have the baby. And the doctor needs to leave for a second. And she looks at me. And she says, you keep an eye on things. I'll be right back. And I was like, who are you talking to, lady? Like, you're the doctor here. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything here that matters. And she left. And I was just, like, hyper aware of everything. I was checking the blood pressure. I didn't know what I was looking at, but I saw the numbers. I was watching her, you know, the contractions on the screen. And I was like, yeah, that seems even. Looks good to me. Doc, you trusted me with this. I got it, you know. I was doing whatever I could, walking around, do you need anything, you need some ice or something? I've heard that on movies. Ice, is that going to help you right now as you're pushing a human out of you? Like, ice, what's that going to, whatever. I was very aware of everything that was happening in the moment. The doctor had no plans for me to deliver that baby, right? There were nurses around, tons of nurses. She was just in the other room. But her invitation, hey, you participate here made me very aware of what was happening in the moment. And it refocused me, refocused me on what mattered in that moment. And so Jesus says to these men, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And these guys were focused immediately on an invitation from a rabbi that they could participate and they could matter in what he was going to do in the world. Jesus is going to do the salvation. Jesus is going to do the redemption. Jesus is going to bring us back from death into life and give us a full life. But he wants us to participate and pay attention to what he's doing in the world as we become disciples. And so we're supposed to follow him. If you get on an airplane and you decide halfway through that you don't want to go to that destination, you wanted to go to a different destination, unless you chartered your own flight or you're a pilot, you have no say in the matter. You are following the captain of the ship, and Jesus is saying, follow me, not invite me onto your plane so I can help you when you get to your destination. Follow me, he says. We are to follow Jesus. He's in charge. He's doing the heavy lifting, and he invites us to participate in what he's doing in the world. If you're going to be a disciple, you decide that you're going to follow Jesus, and you help other people decide that they're going to follow Jesus, and we do that person to person, not pulpit to person. We have to be willing to invest in the lives of other people person to person life to life, in the highs and in the lows. I see you. I know you. I know what's going on in your life, and I'm invested in you living a better life with Jesus. But a disciple is also someone who is changed by Jesus. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you. I will make you into something. You're going to change. You're going to look different. You're going to become something else. Andy Stanley, I read this quote from him recently. He said that Jesus can, 
I need to look it up because I'm going to mess it up, and it's too good not to mess up. He said, oh, guys, this is really falling on its face, isn't it? I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> it's going to be worth it, I promise. You hold on. <laughs> he said, Jesus can make your life better, and he can help you live a better life. Jesus can make your life better, and he can help you live, and he can make you better at life. <laughs> See, it's not my quote. I can't take credit for it. I just read it this morning, and I was like, daggone, that's good. I should have highlighted it or something. Jesus can make your life better, and he can make you better at life. Jesus can not only make your life better, but he can make you better at life. Not by continuing to do whatever you want. Not by continuing to follow conventional wisdom, but by letting him change your life and your priorities, by following the truth of what he says in Scripture, by trusting the authority of what we find in Scripture. He can make you better at life, less entangled by sin, less tied up by addiction, less broken by shame. He can make you better. He wants, to he wants you to live a full life now, following in the ways of reconciliation and redemption, walking more and more alive every day. You're to be changed by Jesus. Sometimes it blows me away that there can be people who say they've been following Jesus for 50 years and look nothing like him in his compassion and in his kindness and in his patience and in his willingness to step in and help people out of their mess. We should be changed by Jesus. A baby that's healthy doesn't stay in the crib their whole life. They walk and they run and they jump and they play and they get bigger, and they grow, and they have more and more responsibility, and they become more and more. This contrast is on a full display at my house because I have a 15-month-old and a 5-year-old. And the 5-year-old can do 20 laps around this little thing in our house. He goes from living room to kitchen to dining room and around and around. He's like, I'm going to do 20 laps before bed. And we're like, you probably should. And the toddler is just learning how to walk, and so she tries to follow but her running, not great. You know, like she falls if the fan's on because it throws off her balance. And going just running and running, and everybody's like, you know, like I got to be careful. There will be progression. Are you, if you're sprinting with Jesus, willing to step alongside somebody who's toddling and falling and tripping and say, it's okay? We can, we'll be okay. You'll, you'll learn to walk someday. You're going to help somebody run someday. We're to be changed by Jesus, and we're to invite people to be changed by Jesus. He's in charge, and we're being changed. And we're also committed to the mission of Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Some verses, or some versions translate that fishers of people. Meaning basically, there's a whole world out there. 
of people that don't know that God loves them, are you going to be convicted enough by that to go meet those people and help them understand that God does love them and that he wants full life for them? And are you going to be willing to walk alongside them as they trip and they fall and they can't feed themselves and they make messes? Are you going to be willing to walk through that with somebody as they learn to run, as they learn to be, as they learn to become more and more like Jesus every day? Are you committed to the mission of Jesus? And are you compelling other people to be committed to the mission of Jesus? Because there's nothing better in life than being committed to the mission of Jesus. And you see that played out over and over again in the New Testament. As you look at these letters, these men and these women were willing to die for the mission of Jesus. And they were willing to be corrected as they tried to establish this church because nothing was better than making disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And here we are today. We're here today because people decided to take part in what Jesus was inviting them to. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, be committed to the mission of Jesus and invite somebody else to do the same. Rich tells me all the time that I should go to Brazil because the missionary that we support in Brazil, uh, Earl Harden, Earl, I can't say his last name right now. He gets it. He gets the discipleship. And one of the things, the stories he always tells is that when somebody's being pulled up out of the baptistry after they've been baptized and saved and profess that they want to follow Jesus with the rest of their life, the thing that the person baptizing them says is, who are you going to tell? Who will you tell that Jesus loves you and he has a better life for you? Who will you tell? And so the question is out here today. Who will you tell that Jesus loves you. He has a better life for you. Follow me, he told them. And I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. These men that were making a living fishing decided that what Jesus had was better for them. And that they would take part. And so here we are today in a place that should be committed to making disciples who make disciples. And that only happens when we get involved in each other's lives. And so each of us, every person in this room, can either start or join a group whatever you want to call a group. You can start or join a group as long as it's committed to the apostles' teaching, dedicated to prayer, you gather together, you meet each other's needs. Like these things that we see in Acts 2, you can start or join a group and we'll help you as much as we can. One of the things that we realized over this last year is that we need to do a better job of helping people start their own groups from wherever they are in whatever avenue that they feel led. And that when we empower people to start their own groups and as we get better and better at helping people start their own groups, coming alongside them, praying with them, giving them training materials, that an incredible thing will happen. More people will be involved in better communities, better groups. I just got a text this last week 
that one of our groups was able to deliver blankets to the His Hope house so that those men know that there's a church and there are people in that church that care about them being warm on cold nights. And they spent hours praying over, making these blankets so that they could feel God's love in some tangible way. That's what that group does. And they pray together and they meet here and they do that. And they went and delivered an unbelievable thing. A tangible expression of God's love. We have a group here that's just men that gather together to do things outside because not enough things happen outside anymore. And they just recently went fishing. But they connected. And Jesus was the thing that brought them together. We have a group here that meets in a firehouse of mostly men that don't go to this church. Because one of the guys that does go to this church said, hey, I have people in my workplace. I want to invest in them. Can you help me do that? Yes, we can. You can start or you can join a group. Many of us don't need to just participate anymore. Many of us need to be gathering people together to invest in them now. But if you just want to join a group, there are many open groups and open Bible studies and tables at Midweek Connect that have space for you. We will make a space for you if you just want to join a group. And that's not settling. That's just making a good decision to be invested in what God is doing here. You can start or you can join a group. One of our tables at Midweek Connect in January was the, the Monterey, Mexico missions team. Their love for the orphaned children in Monterey, Mexico brought them together months before they left on a trip so that they were past the relationship building stage and they could just go to work on helping to be the hands and feet of Jesus when they showed up in Monterey in May, June. You can start or you can join a group, but each of us needs to devote ourselves to creating environments where we can challenge each other to become more and more like Jesus. And just so we're clear, the goal isn't that everybody gets in a small group. The goal isn't that everybody goes to a Bible study. The goal isn't that we have 100% of the people come to Midweek Connect. The goal is that we make disciples who make disciples, and these are the avenues through which we believe that discipleship happens. If you have another idea, run it by me. Because all we care about is making disciples of Jesus who will impact the world around them. Your part matters. Will you create a community of people who are dedicated to looking more and more like Jesus every single day? Because we have this radical invitation given to us. Follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. Acts 2.46 says this. Every day, they devoted to themselves to meeting together in the temple. And they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. And verse 47 continues, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day. Because people
people were dedicated to this unbelievable news that the God of eternity invites us to participate in his kingdom breaking into a broken world. You can really make a difference in the lives of people. You can really show up in times when it matters. You can really help someone take their next step in becoming more like Jesus. But only if you're willing to take your next step in becoming more like Jesus. So can we all be challenged to just go one more step closer to Jesus today? I don't know what it is for you specifically, but I'll be at the table in the info center if you want to talk about it. If you want to talk about what it would look like to start a group, if you want to talk about what it would look like to join a group, if you want to talk about what it would look like to lead a table at Midweek Connect or be at a table for Midweek Connect or attend one of the Bible studies that are starting or the book studies, any of these things that are ongoing, I'd love to talk to you about your next step at the info corner after service. But can we all take our next step? Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to earth. The God of eternity wrapped himself in flesh and came to earth to show us that being person to person, that showing up in the flesh, that incarnation matters. Being physically with people matters. And he didn't stop there. He went to a cross and he had his body broken and his blood shed to pay the price for our sins which should have led to our death. They said, you can, you can have a new life. But in this new life, remember that my prompting matters. Remember that incarnation matters. Be with people. Start over. And you can live a full life. And you can have eternity. But his body was broken and his blood was shed so that he could offer us that invitation. And so every week we take the bread which represents the broken body and the juice which represents the bloodshed, and we remember the invitation to a new life that we're given over and over again. That we can matter in God's kingdom breaking forth in this world. Will you pray with me as we prepare to take communion? God, help us have clarity and insight and wisdom as we become more and more like you every day. Help us to take our next step and help us to build the relationships with people to encourage them to take their next step. We have to decide every day. Help us to remember the price that you paid as we make that decision. We love you and we thank you. It's in your son's name we pray.